Welcome everybody to Never Stay Dead. This is Damien, along with my partner in crime. It's Matthew, the other half of the dynamic duo. That makes me Robin, I think. Sure, you can wear the booties. Anyway, the exciting thing is, this is our 25th episode. Oh my goodness, I didn't know it was a milestone. <laughs> is it going to be foil embossed or hologram cover or... Uh... Uh, acetate cover. But anyway, I thought it was pretty cool we lasted that long. I heard someone on some other podcast say the, the average podcaster lasts seven episodes and then gives up. Today we are going to discuss Man and Superman. And also man and superman <laughs> we're mostly going to discuss man and superman by marv wolfman and claudio castellini we may also yes. discuss man spelled with two ends at the end and superman by michael t gilbert right which, I, I, yeah sorry go ahead which i have not read the entirety of <laughs> okay. as of this point but matt has there was some confusion about because there are actually two comics called Man and Superman. The uh, Man and Superman by Marv Wolfman was released, I don't know, six months ago as a 100-page Super Spectacular, a nine ninety nine comic. It's soon going to be coming out as a hardcover. And I assume they'll add some extra material to fatten mm -hmm. it up a bit. But what it originally was, was four issues that Marv Wolfman and Claudio Castellini did back in around 2006 through 2008. And they were, right. I think they were too slow in getting it done. And by the time they finished the uh, Superman Confidential, where they planned to publish it, had ceased publication. And so DC sat on it for a long time. And then for whatever reason, they just decided to kind of shoot it out into the market in one volume a while ago and it didn't get a whole lot of hoopla but i felt like it was one of the best superman comics i read in quite a while so i asked matt if he was willing to read it well i'm gonna argue you here i think it's one of the best clark kent comics okay ever but it, there's not much in the way of superman well, shortly after they released this, they began the Superman Year One by Frank Miller. Yeah. And after reading, I felt kind of upset that uh, this wasn't looked at as kind of a Superman Year One. And the Frank Miller Superman Year One takes place over about 30 years, but. You're right. <laughs> it's not just one year. <laughs> well, and there's so much focus on the Krypton stuff. And. I've said it before, and I know I'll end up saying it again, but when it comes to a lot of these superhero origins, we've seen them all. We've seen them done a million ways. It it feels a little tired. And this book is not doing Krypton blowing up, he lands in a field. This is This is much more of what I would want out of a Superman year one, which is Clark Kent coming to Metropolis for the first time. And trying to figure out what to do with his powers and how to become a reporter. Those are kind of the two things he's working on. Right. And in this incarnation, I guess Superboy didn't happen, which is usually makes for a better Superman origin right. anyways. Right. If Superboy happened, you're in a very different kind of universe, in a sense. Right. 
Which is fun and great, but... Yeah, you're in a Silver Age universe, and this is definitely... I don't know. I don't know what if this is like... I mean, it was meant to be published in the mid-2000s, but it, it, it has that Bronze Age feel, like an updated Bronze Age feel to me. Well, I mean, Marv Wolfman, right? Like, right, Marv Wolfman, star of the Bronze Age. So Yeah. There you go. But I mean, man, this is a... This is a really good comic, kind of fish-out-of-water kind of deal, and it really... It really hits something of that idea of the farm boy being in the big city that hit me in a way that was real, in a way that a lot of Superman comics that try to play on that don't hit me as well. Right. Well, it, it Superman is neither, or Clark Kent is neither very sophisticated, nor is he a bumpkin or a silly person. He's very sympathetic, and it feels like an intelligent person within the confines of a comic book world, trying to figure out what to do with his powers. And there's usually a lot of that bumbling oafishness with Clark Kent. And here there's just a lot of genuine shock. Um, And in a way that I think it would hit a lot of us if we were moving to the big city for the first time. So So let me... How about I back? I kind of wanted to take it a bit chapter by chapter. It's four chapters, originally four issues. So I'll just say in chapter one, Clark comes to Metropolis. He first encounters people being swindled by one of those three card Monty guys. Mm. And he uses his superpowers to swindle the three three card Monty guy back and and give the people back their money. Then he goes to his apartment that he thought was going to be a really nice apartment. And it's a, a total trashed out slum, which is very similar to experiences I had when I moved to New York City after college, I have to say. And then uh, he encounters kind of the classic Superman thing, a building uh, roaring on fire. But he follows his dad's advice and stays back and waits and sees what whether he's needed or not and tries to do things secretively and he realizes no the firemen have this fire under control they don't need me but later he goes back to investigate the fire and he gets caught by lois lane and one of the police investigators and she takes his picture of him flying and later he goes back and he removes his fingerprints from the the bomb that had been planted or the rocket that had blown up that had started the fire and he goes for a job interview, but the newspaper where he's getting the job interview gets bombed mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. rescues some victims from that and feels like he really screwed up. Everyone's seen him and stuff, and he doesn't think he can become a superhero. And he mails his Superman suit back to his parents in Smallville. And that's the end of chapter one. Right. So in all of that, we had what we were starting to talk about, how believable the character of clark kent is at this point yeah there's a lot in this first chapter so i when clark is flying around and gets caught somewhat accidentally um lois kind of dubs him the flying man the flying man right 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 they wouldn't immediately start calling him superman and he's he's not wearing a superman outfit he's wearing his street clothes and he's trying in this chapter he hasn't even started putting a mask on his face or anything Mm -hmm. oh yeah because he's just hopping around he's not 
thinking that anyone's going to see him. And so he's not trying to be covert necessarily. He's just trying to do something and hush, hush. A big part I like is the way his parents are presented, uh, the Kents. They are good, solid, honest people, and they take his powers seriously, and they've talked to him a lot about how to deal with these powers. And it's not that cheesy way that you often see in the more simplified versions of Superman with Mom, Pa, Kent, and how cute and wonderful they are. I mean, they just felt more like real good parents rather than idealized good parents or something to me yeah the uh, how do i say this the way that they're written feels like they are good people but they kind of realize where they are in the world and that the city's going to be different they don't know the city necessarily but they're they're trying to prepare him but it's a little loss in translation I, i guess but i mean you get the sense of them trying their best and being honest with them and I don't know. It it, it rang differently than kind of the fuddy duddy that you usually get from Right, them. right. It it definitely it felt more convincing to me that these were parents who really helped prepare him to become a superhero mm-hmm. in a way that I'm not usually that convinced by. They don't just spout platitudes and things like that. I uh, I also have to mention as I thumb through it the the art is to some degree kind of traditional superhero comic book art, but it's mm-hmm. very, I don't know, it's extremely an extremely effective version of that. Um, well, very fluid storytelling, very dynamic art style, great colors. This is very much a talking heads comic. There's a lot of journalism, political intrigue. The super heroics are only really a handful of pages across these four chapters, right. the 100 pages in total. And the dynamicism, what's done with the page where the focus is on any given panel is so masterful and adds so much to the story. And I feel like a lot of that comes through a bit more in later chapters, especially when you have Lois Lane on the page, especially when Lois and Lex will we'll get there. But uh, yeah, th- there's a lot. Um, and there, there's a little bit in the backgrounds of a lot of the art. Too, it's ben. very detailed so that Metropolis feels very solid and you really feel like you're there. Unlike... So it feels in contrast with the typical modern art style. Like when you're talking about talking heads, if you look at a lot of modern comics, we'll just have a page or pages. I saw this in the Immortal Hulk last week of just panel after panel where the same character's face is looking at you at the same angle. Whereas here, even if there's a long conversation, the camera angle's changing. You're seeing close-ups. You're seeing the whole room they're in. You're just getting all kinds of stuff you know the artist is working a lot harder and that's kind of i think the ideal in the old days is you never had the same camera angle for two two panels in a row usually well and we talked about the delay and you're talking about how there's more on the artist what's interesting here is that the artist is doing a lot but if i'm imagining the script the way i would imagine Mm -hmm. most comics be scripted i don't think the script's asking for it I think he's rising to the occasion of the story with it. Right. 
Well, there's a lot of dialogue on each page, so you definitely mm-hmm. would have had to have had a lot of panels, or, or you know, a decent amount of panels per page anyway. But yeah, right. and but this was done in the early. It must have even felt kind of retro when he did it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. hearkening back to a old, more old school. 80s possibly 90s for superman but more more of the 80s feel things i think mm-hmm. and i don't know if this artist always draws this way or just when he's working with marv wolfman but and there's one visual i wanted to point out in particular where he's kind of bemoaning the mistakes he made through this and he's talking about himself whereas mom said he should give himself a code name he's just talking to himself moron boy that's what they should call me yeah <laughs> moron boy right and then he lies back in bed and he's just, you know, Adonis just yeah. boom. Right, right. He doesn't even know how godlike he is, in a sense. And, and then the camera pulls out and then he just kind of curls up and looks so much more yeah. vulnerable and smaller. And it's just this idea of like, you know, look at this guy, but then look at what he's going through. Right. And it's... Yeah, it's yeah. nice. I mean, it's not like... Superman doesn't have lots of good attributes or Clark Kent at this point doesn't have a lot of good attributes, but you definitely get the sense it's a struggle. It's not easy to figure out how to be a superhero. Mm -hmm. And he's, so he's very human in his relation to things. Mm -hmm. He is drawn as incredibly good looking, (laughs) which I kind of thought was funny that no one else seems to notice that. (laughs) Well, yeah. But it's not like those comics, which often happened in the 70s and 80s or even 60s, where everybody's good looking. But um, he's definitely the best looking person in almost every shot. Speaking of less good looking people, there's that Edward Thomas Dunn that he uh, first goes for because he ends up kind of at the wrong paper to start. Oh, right. And Edward Thomas Dunn looks a bit like a... A favorite editor, newspaper editor of yours, doesn't he? Yeah, he's kind of a Jameson play, and they have this bit about, you know, you can't be writing this boring crap. You have to, you know, sensationalize, and Clark gets a bad vibe and looks to move on. It blows my... In fact, there's a scene that looks right here on this page where they're talking. (laughs) I feel like I've seen that panel with with, uh, Peter Parker and... J. Jonah Jameson so many times that exact angle and expression on faces. Yeah, that's funny. I don't even know why I didn't even I didn't stop and think about that. But I mean, it's hardwired yeah. for me, so don't worry about it. But on that same page, you see a panel of him walking out of the elevator, and he's like, no one's noticing, but he's like the supermodel in the, in the scene. So then. Chapter two, because he hasn't made it as a reporter and the one place that was going to give him a job blew up, he Mm -hmm. gets a job as a janitor. And we get kind of an odd sequence where his fellow janitors who are struggling with three or four jobs apiece uh, to support their families front him a, a ticket to a baseball game and they all go out to a baseball game. And it's kind of... That part seemed a little forced to me. Well... What I like about it is that there's kind of some, there's a little debate in here about like God versus evolution and some of this, which is interesting because it feels like, you know, big city talk versus, you know, in Smallville, they never have that conversation. So it's a little more of that fish out of water in a different way. But also, 
as we go through this chapter, these janitors, as they kind of get to the salt of the earth kind of truth and uh, right. wisdom, echo Pa Kent. And so you kind of get like, you know, the good little people that Superman's trying to defend because we're quickly going to get to the side of Metropolis that isn't as defensible. Right. And in this chapter, we continue to get him. He's trying to get... He, he is... I think he's inspired by those guys. After the baseball game, he goes back and tries to get a job at the planet again, or at least an interview at the planet, and he can't get that. But he overhears conversations about stuff going on in the city with the terrorists. We now realize it's terrorists shooting rockets at buildings. These are what these fires turn out to be. Mm -hmm. And so he starts flying around with a kerchief over his mouth, and... He's up in the air kind of listening in on these meetings with the mayor and things like that. So we learn that the mayor's been threatened. If if the city doesn't pay, what, I forgot, $10 billion or something, mm -hmm. we're going to start just blowing up buildings all over town. And um, and then before, any, before the mayor can make a decision, a missile blows up a LexCorp building. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Clark has to kind of reveal himself again, flying around. To save to save people from the building that's like falling all over the city, and uh, and some people think he's the one who caused the explosion, right? Because there's this explosion that, from their perspective, he's kind of in the middle of, and then they see him hoarding garters and doing all this, and right. you know, it's kind of that Lex Luthor idea of like, here's this right. guy who can do all this stuff. How can you trust him? But Lois is able to kind of see, no, he's grabbing garters. He's trying to save right. people. And so when they're all blaming him and he, he, he tried, did his best to save people, he feels like a failure again and um, kind of flies off. And, you know, he just feels like everything's ruined. And uh, but then right at the end, we've got Lois kind of coming through and catching his attention. At the end of this chapter, she says, exactly when did the city lose its, its balls? Mm -hmm. So another thing that this comic does is it gives us a Lois Lane and I guess this will evolve more in the next two chapters a Lois Lane who really makes a difference to Superman before he even knows her and it kind of makes a stronger case for why Superman would be in love with Lois Lane and what a hot shot she is in the reporting world she's much more believable normally they just say oh she's like the greatest reporter around but here she has that personality that you would believe it right um, one thing I wanted to mention in that second chapter before we move on is when he starts looking to the mayor and all that, uh, what, what it is, is he's looking for a job at the planet and he kind of overhears a few things to kind of send him on his right. way to get this story to impress Perry. So his impetus is to try to get this better job and he's trying to do what he came here to do. Right. In a and way. then the LexCorp building yeah. explodes and he has to save people. I guess I wasn't sure if he was wanting to get a better job at that point i but i think you're right i think you're right. well because there's this whole talk from i know it's someone i should know if i knew my superman lore better but um basically telling clark because clark has apparently applied there a number of times and they keep losing his resume and right there's this whole and he's saying look if you if you want to do something to get noticed here you gotta impress right. perry somebody you can't just send in your resume with you know however many other people are doing you right. gotta do something to stand out 
Yeah, there's a lot of places where they'll say you'll never get a job if you just send your resume to human resources, you know, that you have mm -hmm. to get through to someone else. But usually it's just networking, not writing. But that's, I haven't tried to be a reporter at a, a world-class newspaper. So, um, and then in, I mean, there may be more to say about that chapter. I'm sorry, but uh, it's fine. Anyway, I just wanted to give people a sense blow by blow of it. Uh, then in chapter three, Lois writes a story and her angle on the story is that he was the one helping save the city. Mm -hmm. So while other people are not believing in him, she's already believing in him. He's just the flying man. Um, and and he can see that she gets what he's trying to do. So that kind of gives him hope that, that he can do it. Um, and then we get Luther returning to the city. And it turns out Lois dated him 10 years ago. He's been away from metropolis for 10 years and i don't know i i was very impressed by the entrance of luther that just seemed to be done really well and again unlike i mean luther is usually works better than lois and superman for me but here luther works even better for me as this charismatic billionaire who people are interested in i mean it's not like everyone thinks of him as a bad person i mean lois originally dated him etc it does kind of beg the question of how old is Lois? It seems like she must be 10 years older than Clark from the internal evidence of this comic. But even though she's won a Pulitzer Prize and everything before they meet, she's shown to be very young. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's just a little comic book quibble. Oh, that's fair. Timelines are always a little off. So then at the airport, when Luther's making his grand return to Metropolis, about a thousand missiles start shooting towards the uh, runway and the voice of terrorists is heard shouting let the destruction begin but clark is there with his um oh that's the end of chapter three actually ends with the bombs the missiles about to go off um and then it's in chapter four the final chapter where mm -hmm. clark now kind of with a stocking pulled over his head Mm -hmm. uh, fights off all the missiles, you know, showing full Superman power, you know, just zooming around the sky. Luther also presses a button and out come his anti-missile technology that he's created. But Superman gets most of the credit for it, at least in, except on Luther's TV stations. So Superman's kind of foiled Lex Luthor's plot to get credit for stopping these terrorists. For the first time. <laughs> for the first time, yeah. And that's where we get, we start seeing Clark become suspicious of, you know, how did Luther happen to have his anti-terrorism system all set up at the airport? Like he knew it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so he starts researching and digging and then he recruits Lois into it. And so this is how Lois and Clark first team up. Right. I just really liked the sequence of events there and um they uncover the mystery you know and realize that luther has been the terrorist all along or mm -hmm. the fake terrorist and is setting himself up as the savior and there's a really good confrontation between lois and luther it ends kind of swiftly with um clark finds the warehouse where all the missiles the fake terrorist missiles are kept and then luther blows up the 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 warehouse destroying all the evidence clark flies back to smallville 
gets his costume. Now he knows what he wants to do after sort of working with Lois and everything and sees his mission clearly and gets his costume back from his parents and flies back to Metropolis in costume and has his first big confrontation with Luther and telling him, I'm ke- I know you're guilty and I'm keeping my eye on you and that kind of thing. Right. And he writes his first article that appears in the um, planet, which is called, What Does Superman Want? <laughs> and that's the end of the story for now. So it literally ends the, with the first time he wears his costume. It's his process, his decision-making. But at the same time, it's setting up a believable situation with him and Lois and with him and Luther. So that everything is in place then for the typical kind of Superman story to continue. Is that, you agree with that or? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for the idea of what a year one would be in my mind, like this hits it so much stronger than anything else I could think of. So to me, this, and we can go back and talk about it more if there's stuff, but to me, this hits the mark, the kind of sweet spot of Superman that I want. This is what I want. And I don't get very often Superman. I'd, I'd, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it, it's funny you say that, because in my mind, whereas this is interesting, it plays with a lot of the Superman mythos, to me this read and felt a bit more like a question comic, where you have this reporting angle that's ultimately the coup de gras and, and the big moments, but there's a little superheroing in there with a man in a suit just kind of barely disguising himself to get in the thick of it and uh, it's uh, which is the question who just pulls something over his face but wears regular street clothes well yeah he's the plastic affixed to his face with some gas but yeah so um yeah because in most of this story that's what clark looks like he just has something pulled over his face i can see what your your point is but uh, i felt i don't know a satisfying yes this whole mythos now makes sense kind of thing Oh, yeah, I, I felt that, too. And it's, I don't know, it's a really strong entry. It's just funny because it's not super colorful. It's not out there. But this is the kind of story you'd point to. And someone's like, well, Superman's boring. It's like, well, check this out. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, the still the, the top Superman story ever is All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. But then at the next level, this is definitely comes in there with a few others that are hard to think of what the other ones are. I, I wouldn't put this above what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way, but it's, you know, it's strong. It's good. I haven't read that one. Is that is that one where it's kind of meta? No, it, it just kind of starts else. you in the thick of it uh-huh. and moves quickly. It's like one big issue, kind of like we read this. Um, who, but who, who wrote that? That was a Joe Kelly. Oh, okay. So I just totally missed that. Mm-hmm. So there's probably lots of good Superman I've missed. Like I real I don't know if uh, Superman for all seasons, Man for all seasons, is good. I haven't read that one either. I've oh wow! Well, to. that's a yeah, that's a standout. That's worth that's worth pouring through. But for this to have come out almost at the same time as Frank Miller's Year One, which was super hyped and in the beautiful editions, and is just out now in hardcover, mm-hmm. that was so bad compared to this <laughs> well yes yes it was i i tried i started skimming some of it and i just fell off it yeah when you get too much in the kryptonian stuff i uh right tend to well i read off. the whole thing all three 64 page issues 
And it was just, it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Any idea that, that Frank Miller threw out into there, he dropped later. You know, for a while, okay. it seems like Superman can affect people's emotions or minds. Did you notice that in the part you read? Not when really, he lands but... as a baby, he kind of controls the adults into adopting him. Oh, I see. Yeah, and, okay. and that comes up one or other time within and gets dropped. Later, he uh, falls in love with Lori Lamaris and uh, conquer or defeats her father, and then she becomes the queen of Atlantis, and he stays in Atlantis with her. It's not like they just date a little bit; he stays there. Only that gets dropped with no further explanation of what happened. There were some stuff like that. Laurie Lamar and stuff could have been really cool, but you know Frank Miller just couldn't be bothered to really develop his story. Gotcha. Yeah. And I've I've been very disappointed with the Brian Michael Bendis Superman. I mean, it, maybe it's really good now because I stopped reading it quite a while ago. But... I I know some people have been liking it. I haven't been following it. Um... When it comes to Superman, I don't know. This is much more of a story I'd rather be reading. This is fun. And I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times, I just feel like after I read this, Marv Wolfman really believes in Superman. He just, as a storyteller, he really believes in it. So he tells the story and he really takes it seriously. And it seems like a lot of the people writing Superman just don't, aren't believers in a sense or something. I don't, I don't really know what it is. Right, well, they want to make the character dark, or they feel they need to add all this complexity. And it's not that you can't do something new, but it's Superman. Just write a Superman story. Yeah, yeah. I read a... I've been reading some Golden Age Superman, and in that, Lois is really an impressive character. Hmm. And they really undid her entirely in the Silver Age. But in the Golden Age, you know... There'd be episodes where Superman's busy and she just defeats the criminals on her own <laughs> and uh, outsmarts people all the time and, and is just tough as nails. I That's another thing I don't quite get. I don't feel like they, even though they currently have a Lois Lane comic, I don't feel like they really think through what Lois would be like in most cases. Like I feel like Marv Wolfman here really thought through what Lois would be like. Why? she and Superman would sort of be allies and, and eventually right. fall in love and all that. No, I wish this was the canonical beginning of kind of the new era of Superman because there's so much more here that you could mine that would lead to stronger stories as opposed to there's another secret bad man on Krypton and now he's going to try to kill Superman because what else would he do? Right. <laughs> Oh man, do I hate what they've done with making Jor-El alive and then making him evil. And last I know, they I think they executed him, some cosmic judge and jury or something. But I, I guess the story that is funny, because you uh, didn't take to as much, I know you didn't finish it, was the other man and Superman. <laughs> Michael T. Gilbert's man and Superman, which was a character whose last name was Man, M-A-N-N. What was his first name? It was something goofy. Uh, yeah, uh, Marty. And he's a, he's kind of a low-life drunk who, who thinks the world's treated him bad and he's had all the bad luck and he's about to be kicked out of his apartment and his wife divorced him and he's trying to raise his kid, but he's too drunk most of the time. 
to notice mm-hmm. that his kid's skipping school. And the person he hates most is Superman because Superman makes him... Superman has everything. He was born with perfection. Right. And then he's in the middle of a stealing something. It's a magical medallion. Yeah. Yeah. And he wishes he wishes that he was Superman and then he and Superman trade bodies. Mm-hmm. It's a body swap story. Right. Eventually, Superman... I, Superman tries to get back in his body with his own wish, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So he says, you go off and be Superman. It's not going to be as easy as you think, and I'll go take care of your son and figure out your life for you. <laughs> right. And so, obviously, the the man character uh, has trouble being Superman because he expects everything to be easy and he doesn't have to work for anything. He doesn't realize, you know, Superman's pushing himself every day to do something good. And Superman, in the dad's position, at first kind of wallows in it, and when he gets frustrated, he kind of throws his arms up and the kid kind of flinches like he's about to hit him and he, something goes. Superman's like, we're turning this around. You know, you're yeah. going to start working on your grades. I'm going to start doing work because they're about to get thrown out of the apartment. So he turns around. The, the guy who's about to throw them out of the apartment is like, can I put you on full time and all this? Because, you know, he's doing work every day and he's trying to do more and he's trying to do right by this kid and just is, is putting in the time and the effort and doing the right thing and from there it follows and uh, you know the, the lesson's pretty obvious but right it's just such a great way of going about it and showing that there's more to superman than just the powers and the right going nature there there's something deeper to it and by him being a good man and doing all this the the attitude kind of follows and we're just talking about believing in superman and whatnot and i think it's that earnestness that makes this comic work also it is kind of a bit more of a brought down tale that reminded me more of a will eisner-esque kind of thing right it has a weird 1940s vibe to it but also kind of a whacked out goofiness going on that i'm not sure quite that's well, the 40s well, that was the nicer stuff too there's some wacko something yeah. going on yeah i don't know i i thought this was a good read yeah I, when i was looking at it, i was like did this really appear in dc comics but i guess it did i mean superman is a flexible character as you know all-star superman shows also which was so such a different take on Superman yet using all the elements from Superman, especially from his Silver Age event. Yeah, and I just think it it gets to something about the core of the character, and this is much more likely a comic that I would hand to someone who isn't as big of a fan, because I think this story just works on its own and is one of those stand out. It's only, you know, fifty pages, I think, or so. Right. And uh yeah. It almost has, the, I think it almost has the vibe of like a car, uh, Popeye cartoon or something. <laughs> yeah, that makes That's sense. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Huh. Because uh, I should point out uh, the the writing and the art and I think the coloring are by Michael T. Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Who was like, in my memory, he was mostly like an 80s indie comics guy. Yeah, but another odd release, right? Well, I guess in a way it's good when DC just lets lots of different creators do their own thing with with their iconic characters. 
Um, even if it turns out to be uh, Frank Miller's Superman year one, I just wish the Marv Wolfman thing got hyped and maybe it would have, if it came out at a different time. Yeah. I'm wondering what kind of why they sat on it so long and why now. Right. But it's a strong, it's a strong release. And you're right. It's a shame that it isn't hype because it's so good. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This feels like an anticlimactic 25th episode. I feel like we should disagree about something or. Uh, okay. Well, which man of man and Superman did you prefer one <laughs> end or two? I preferred the more recent one by Marv Wolfman. Um, did you prefer the Michael T. Gilbert one? I think I did. Um, just by hair, just cause it's kind of that off kilter old school comics and it just, you know, it's not going to the origin or that mythos. It's just a right. straight played story. And I do kind of have a soft spot for body swap stories, apparently. <laughs> well, I have to remember that when I'm writing a comic book aimed at you. All right. Well, so next time we're going to talk about Mr. Miracle. Yeah, that what's it, Tom King? The Tom King Mr. Miracle. I think it was 12 issues. So it'll be a big chunk of reading. Be a fun one. Uh, we will be back. Woo.